You're listening to the Uncensored Direct Marketing Show. This show is designed for direct response marketers who want raw, unfiltered conversion tips and secrets to scale their offers profitably to reach their next million. I'm Maria Sparagas. I'm the founder of Direct Paynet and your host. Now let's dive in. Hey everyone, on today's episode of Uncensored Direct Marketing, I'm speaking with Andrew Contreras. Andrew has gone from an engineer in the oil and gas industry to owning an eight-figure offer within a couple of years. His main focus is on CBD and Christian offers these days. He wrote the most successful Christian diet offer, The Shepherd's Diet. What's more impressive is that he wrote The Shepherd's Diet as one of his first forays into copywriting. Andrew discusses how his partnership with Julian Reyes led him to multiply his business exponentially within a year. He also talks about how he went from copywriter to offer owner, as well as how his offer went from zero to 20 million within a year. Andrew keeps out of the spotlight, but anyone in direct response has likely closely studied Andrew's offers. He is one of the biggest influencers in direct response. I'm very humbled by the opportunity to speak with Andrew and share actionable tips for you to increase your bottom line. I hope you enjoy this episode. Don't forget to like, comment, and subscribe so you don't miss any episodes. Welcome, everybody, to Uncensored Direct Marketing. Today, I have a very exciting episode planned for you guys. I have Andrew Contreras, who is uh, Julian Epstein's business partner. Julian was on our show a couple of weeks ago. Um, so I thought we'd fill in the gap and talk to Andrew today because Andrew uh, is definitely a, a, a mastermind behind the business and is going to share some very insightful things with us about copywriting and offer being an offer owner. Um, so so Andrew, can you just tell us a little bit about your career path and how you got to where you are today? Yeah, sure. Yeah, I guess we can uh, start in the at the beginning. So I got in this business, I guess, direct response marketing. It was like 2014. So I'm actually relatively new to the industry. Um, what is that? Seven years, I think. Um, Seven years. So yeah. I, I started out. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I was, uh, I uh, met the owner of a, of a supplement company named Athletic Greens. Um, and, uh, I saw, actually met him in the gym and we were working out and then he, uh, was very, he's a very enthusiastic guy. And he was, uh, you know, he, he said something along the lines of, Hey, like, you're really good at working out. You're really, you know, um, you know, well, you know, maybe, maybe you can come and, you know, help me grow my business. Somehow he related me, you know, being really good in the gym or whatever at the time to uh, being able to help him with his business. So I said, heck why not? I was actually at that moment in my life, I was actually in a kind of a transition from, um, you know, my previous career. So I was in the oil and gas business. So I, my, my, and this may become relevant later in the conversation. Um, but I was like, uh, I studied engineering in school. Um, a lot of the stuff that I was doing was like not creative, like, you know, direct response marketing, especially copywriting is very creative. It's like I came from a, a career where it was like, like the oil and gas businesses, is, is the oil and gas industry in general is about as non-creative as you can get. It's just pretty much yeah. plug and play. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I got out of that career and I was like, you know, my mid 20s single. So I just like left the United States, went down to South America. And that's where I met this, um, the owner of this company and uh, quickly realized that uh, the key to growing any business, at least direct to consumer was copy, right? Like that was yeah. became very clear to me, like the words that you write to, uh, you know, people, they can like somehow, you know, persuade them and get them to buy your products for me at the time like coming from non-creative and just like you know a very big structured industry coming into that and seeing that was um it, it really excited me like I was I just thought it was magic so I really I think you know I don't know like I just I I decided I was like man if I'm gonna like succeed in this role I gotta like learn copy right and it started out with email copy uh you know, just, you know, that's where I started back end email copy, monetizing, uh, you know, lists, uh, customer lists, which, you know, looking back now, it's pretty easy, especially if you have a good, good offer, it didn't really take much, but that's where I got, I started, uh, uh, um, getting into, you know, copy. And I just, uh, from there, you know, I, I lasted about almost two years in that job. And I realized, you know, in order to become, I think towards the end of that, that position, I was like, man, I really want to become, I want to do the front end stuff, you know, the stuff that, uh, you know, do these offers that I, I saw at the time. I want to really launch those. And that didn't really align with the, the business owners, you know, the way he wanted to market. So I was like, man, I got to, I got to exit this business, this, this company in order to really, you know, focus on, 
yeah, for growing my copy abilities. So, and that's what I did. Ultimately, I left. We left on good terms, and um, I just like I hired like a, a copy co, a couple copy coaches to coach me, and uh, started partnering. Actually, I partnered with a, a an offer owner um, that I met at in Austin, Texas, randomly. I think it was at the Internet Marketing Party, and um, still a good friend of mine to to this day. And uh, I helped him, um, you know get a control. It was at the time it was, I and mean, it was low numbers. I mean, it was probably, probably did like maybe a million to 2 million a year that offer form. But you know, that was for me, that was like, wow, I actually have an ability to do beyond email. I can do front end stuff. So then I, you know, long story short, did some freelancing stuff, uh, start writing for other people, getting paid to do that. Uh, other partnerships, some were what went well, some went bad, had a lot of, um, I guess like lessons, learn one of them one of them was and again this will probably come more relevant later on in the conversation was just because I was a good copywriter didn't make me a good business person right and so um I, I learned that very quickly that you know it's it's one thing to be able to to write good copy it's another thing to be able to structure deals as a freelancer protect yourself and and get paid what you're worth right so ultimately I uh, I'm glad I left the freelancing I didn't last long at all in freelancing uh, met Julian, who's been on the show a couple weeks ago, like you said. Um, I met him, when did we meet? I think in 2018, probably. Was that just like a chance meeting? You just like, I always find it's it's a funny thing, but like, you know how great partnerships happen? It's like, oh, we were just having a drink or whatever. What was that? What was that? Because I know I, I, the first time I, I met Julian, it was very, it was a very animated evening and it was, it was a, a very memorable night. I don't know. He was cool. doing pirouettes and dancing. So I'm curious what, what Julian was doing when you guys met. It was at a mastermind in San Diego. So it wasn't, it was in the traffic and conversion conference, but it was an, kind of one of those, um, you know, a lot of people, I don't know if you've probably been to that conference, right? Yeah. Like, and there's like people that create, do masterminds and meetings. My buddy, Zach Collins was doing a media buying mastermind. He said, Hey, I want, uh, he's like, Hey, Andrew, can you come and talk about copywriting? And, uh, so I like, I was like, all right, let's, uh, I'll go give a talk about copywriting. There's about a room of maybe 20 people. And then Julian was the, one of the others, like another copywriter, my buddy, friend, our buddy, Fran is a mutual friend of ours. Um, and Julian was in there. And then, um, that's how I met him. So we just, we kind of clicked a little, you know, at least, you know, we started talking copy, you know, spitting lingo at each other. And we were like, really uh, <laughs> geeking out on it. And um, I think we hung out a little bit more during the conference. And uh, I don't know, like we didn't, it wasn't like, uh, it wasn't until later on, we started like, you know, doing some Zoom calls just because we really connected. On, I think we connected on, on like the craft, like we really, really go deep into it, right? you know, okay. probably more deep than we'll go on this call, but um, just like, <laughs> just probably too deep. Uh, like we're just super nerds when it comes to copy. Um, and uh, we really connected on that. And so that was in 2018. We didn't officially, we didn't legally and officially join, like merge, you know, and become partners until the beginning of 2020, right? Even though effectively oh. it was probably like the mid 2019, but it took us a good two years. Um, and it wasn't like, yeah, it wasn't, and it wasn't like a decision. It wasn't, it was kind of like, it kind of happened organically. Like, uh, if that makes sense. Like, it just, we started helping each other out in each other's different pieces of copy. He was writing a VSL, I was writing a VSL. So we would just kind of look over each other's shoulders and uh, amplify our ability uh, or amplify the copy that we're, we're, we're writing, right? So yeah. that's how it started. And then I think Julian, it was actually Julian's idea. He's yeah, I have to give it to him. He comes up with some of the best ideas. Um, his idea was yeah. like, hey, dude, like, why don't we just merge? And then because I had an offer, uh, an offer of my own. Oh, yeah, you've helped me with some of the mids on that. An offer of my own at the time that was doing decent. I think it was doing a couple million a year in top line revenue. Um, and, you know, he had his dating stuff. And then he said, look, we should just we should join forces uh, and, and just merge our businesses and just, you know, focus on, you know, all of our you know, everything together. Right. And, uh, so we did that, you know, and that's, you know, a, so far, that's a great story. I mean, it's, yeah, it's, yeah, it's it, interesting that like, 
a couple of things that I like that you touched upon is like just obviously happenstance and meeting Julian and just clicking and, and taking advantage of that relationship. But also um, you, you mentioned earlier, and I just want to understand a little bit your path into becoming a copywriter. You mentioned that you got some copy coaches when you kind of went sure. into that. What did you, like, what, where did you look for them and why did you think you needed them at that point? I think, okay, so I'll answer the first the second question first, which is why did I think I need them? I think it was just confidence, like our lack of it at that point, right? Like I hadn't, I hadn't like um, launched an offer. I hadn't seen my copy go out to like front end, you know, uh, you know, cold traffic uh, as, a, as a front end offer, you know, converting cold traffic and in, in bringing in customers. So I hadn't seen, I hadn't experienced that. So, you know, naturally I had, um, you know, uh, a lack of confidence in that, in that area. So I said, well, well, how can I, you know, how can I improve the, so I, how can I improve the odds that, you know, I, I you know, something I will, you know, write will do perform very well on cold traffic. Yeah. And this was the time I actually uh, partnered, or I, I guess I, we weren't really part like legal partners. Like I wrote it, what they call on spec. Basically he'd give me like a percentage of top line revenues. And, um, uh, he had a, the, it's my friend, Patrick. So he, now he's my friend, but at the time I just met him and he's like, Hey man, just write this offer and I'll give you a percentage of top line revenue. He was driving the, the Google. I think it was like a Google display. So he was actually a really good media buyer himself and he had his own offer. And, um, so I was like, well, there's a good, there's a lot of, you know, pieces here that are, that, that, that are going for me. But the only thing that I, I'm uncertain of is my own ability. So I'm going to go okay. hire a copy coach to like, to basically increase the odds of this is going to be a success out the gate. So, uh, how did I, so yeah, and I just asked, I think I just asked, uh, around really, it was actually, you know, the, I hired one of the A-list copywriters, uh, actually you might know him, David Deutsch, um, yeah. David Deutsch. I, I hired David did, did, uh, several sessions with him. And then, so we worked on that specific piece. So in my mind, I was like, this is an investment because I'm going to be able to recoup the cost from the, from the, uh, um, the royalties. And that's what sure. I did. It actually worked out. So it was a smart move on my part. So it gave me the, more importantly, the thing I got from that was the confidence, like, oh, I can do this, you know? Yeah. And, and so. I mean, I guess you're, you're a true visionary because now, I mean, all we're seeing now is a lot of, you know, like um, copy accelerator and, and yeah. a lot of these programs that are just kind of teaching and mentoring copywriters and, and so forth. There's nothing, there's no actual course like in, in school you could take. So it's just kind of finding the best or, or people who, who you can afford at least and, um, and getting some, some, uh, oh, yeah. some critiques and, and, and that's, that's like, I mean, you did it before, before the time or before your time, because I, I, I saw that trend really happening in like 2018 2019 really? it started becoming yeah. i don't know maybe i was targeted well on facebook because i kept getting ads for these types of things so i was like oh yeah. uh maybe an area of interest but it's you know um the lesson here is obviously if you want to get better at something it's just get, find somebody who's better and and hire them or or get mentored by them right because that's you know the key to success is you know you can't grow if you're not getting any advice or any feedback on your work so right 100 well, I, mean, I agree like that the feedback initially was priceless because you don't know what you don't know right like so yeah you know exactly. you've seen like other people at the time i saw like these these copywriters you know that were you know some it's kind of funny like at the time there was like guys like i think chris Adad were kind of like some names you would hear like oh he's a great copywriter blah blah, blah. and you know um and i was like wow how do i get to that level and it's like well coaches um which yeah. is Another side note is funny, like nowadays, like I'm, we're, I'm partnered with the dad on something. So it's interesting to see it kind of come full circle. I was like looking up to him and now we're like working together. It's kind of cool. To, well, the, 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 the interesting thing about this industry I find is that people, you know, you started in 2014, which is not a lot of time. You know what I mean? It's like going from zero to where you are now running, you know, 20, 30, you know, and so on million dollar businesses, um, is, is nuts. Like this is, this is an industry where, you, you know, if you really put a lot of effort in it, you get the right coaching, you get, you know, um, some help, you can really see some, some, some headway and you can really, you know, obviously increase your wealth. So, um, you know, I, I, I love that story that you went out, like your first thing was, Hey, I went out. I got a coach, <laughs> you know, to get better. Yeah. So that, that it's, obviously says that you had the tools, you know, I mean, you, you thought that that was a good idea. So, um, that's really yeah. cool. 
Um, I'm, I'm curious, you know, you went from copywriter um, and now obviously, you know, you did emails uh, and so forth. And now you're, you're owning a couple of offers. What, what are your biggest challenges? Like what, what did you go through to become from copywriter and offer owner? I know you touched upon it earlier. You said you had a couple of nightmares. Tell me a couple of nightmares and a couple of things that you, you learned along the way. Hmm. Well, where do we begin? I mean, like the, like there's always, you know, uh, yeah. Where do we begin on that? Let's see. So, I mean, I, <laughs> so too so, many to start with. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll start. We'll start with like the part. I I I I wrote an offer that did very well, and that's actually you know the the one that Julian may have mentioned. It was the the shepherd's diet, right? It was like yeah. a you know a Christian weight loss offer. Did really well at the time. I think it grossed like 30 million bucks in the first year or something around there. Um, and I was a copywriter, but I wasn't the owner. Right. And yeah. I learned that was a, that was a, that was a, a hard lesson for me because I saw how successful it did. Um, and I wrote hundred percent of that copy, but I, I, at the end of the day, I got screwed out of that deal. Like I didn't get uh, any of the royalties I was promised. It, you know, the, the, the offer owners tried to lock me into this like thing like, well, if you want to keep the royalties, you got to like write other offers and they like, change the deal after the fact. And I was just like, it didn't sit well with me. So I was like, yeah, that's fuck. screw you guys. I'm out of here. Um, yeah. um, so that was the first lesson. And that, that probably put some trust issues, like having that experience made, uh, gave me some trust issues with potential partnerships. Right. So yeah. maybe for a good year there, I was like, I'm not going to partner with anyone. I'm just going to do this on my own. Um, that was probably a, a, a bigger hurdle is to get over that trust issue. Right. Um, you know, because, you know, again, like it's partnerships are like marriages, like, you know, like you just don't get married to anyone. Right. Like you've got to treat it with a lot of respect and a lot of, uh, um, uh, you gotta, you, you gotta let it grow organically, which I, which I did with Julian. So that was yeah. something I overcame and it was overcame with a, new, a beautiful partnership so far that's, you know, evolved into something that's pretty big. Um, so that's one thing I've had, you know, a challenge, uh, which is more of an internal challenge. The other, I mean, they're all internal challenges, but so the other ones have been, I think Julia may have mentioned this on his uh, episode and I have it fresh in my mind. I watched it yesterday. Um, <laughs> Preparation. <laughs> is, uh, yeah, it was the, you know, the, I, we, we identify as copy at each level of business, you, there's a tendency or, or whatever the evolution that you are in your career, there's a tendency to, to identify and, and label yourself a certain way, right? So, you know, he mentioned copywriter and that he's had to evolve past that, that, that kind of self-label and I, and myself included in that, I'll group myself like this, I think, um, uh, that's been a challenge as well is, is, is kind of is taking away that label and say, look, I'm, I'm not a cop. I'm not just a copywriter. Copywriting is a tool that I use to accomplish a certain goal. But, you know, if you look at the grand scheme of things, the ultimate goal is bottom line profit. And then what are you going to do with that profit? Like, you know, roll it over into your wealth, uh, you know, and even further down, like, what are you going to do with all that stuff? So um, just yeah. taking a bigger, longer term view on things has helped me kind of, shed those labels and yeah. and it also allows the company to grow because if i'm constantly if i identify myself as a copywriter there's a more there's more of a tendency for me to just not really not let someone else do that work like another copywriter someone who has that label for themselves they can come in i can hire them and they can do it because uh in my opinion i, I and i think a lot of you'll probably agree with me is that in order to grow something bigger you've got to you got to really leverage other people right leverage yeah, other for people. sure minds and their, their, their hours of work and their, their skill set. So, uh, and that brings me to the kind of the other challenge is learning how to hire. Like that's, that's been a challenge in itself. I mean, I, I don't know if Julian talked about it in the, the call with you, but that's, uh, that's a whole other skill set, you know, like I said earlier, yeah. just because I was a good copywriter and making tough. a good business person. Yeah. And I would almost say that hiring is a super, it's as powerful, maybe yeah, it's as powerful as any other skill set like copywriting or media buying. It's that important. So I completely, completely um, agree. I mean, I've seen, uh, I've, you know, I've been working with Julian for the better part of the decade, 
more than a decade, yeah. actually. So like, uh, you know, I've seen all the people that he's, you know, worked with and hired and so forth. And uh, a couple of people recently, I, I've given, you know, my thumbs up to, to Julia. I'm like, yeah, I, I like her. She's, she's, she's doing a good job. <laughs> uh, just because I've been through yeah. so many different people. And uh, as a business owner myself, that is my number one challenge. And I'm always, yeah. I always want to find people who are smarter than me. Like I want a, a person who's better at accounting than me, because I don't like accounting and I'm not very good at it. And I'm okay to say, you know, yeah. like you, you do that. And, um, and, and just have different people, even the writing part. I, I, I hired writers. I never, I never saw the value of writers for my business. Um, up until last year, I started getting into the copywriting mm. world and really looking at stuff. And I was like, you know, if I, I'm, I'm good at talking, I'm good at kind of explaining things, but I'm not very good at putting that on paper and, and, you know, kind of getting mm. it out there. Um, and my business has actually just completely changed overnight since I hired, uh, I have almost like a full-time writer on staff and he's just writing stuff all day about just different content, oh, awesome. blogs and so forth. And I was like, what a change just, you know, because this is not, I'm not good at it. Right. So I was trying to write blogs here and there, they were terrible. Um, <laughs> and then I hired yeah. the writer and it's like, he put some structure and stuff and he just did. I was like, this is, you know, this is such a great idea. I feel like writers are very, you know, hiring a writer doesn't seem like it's necessary, especially for non, obviously businesses like, like yours. Um, it's necessary but for even for other types of businesses, more like corporate type businesses or financial businesses, it's, it's so important to, to have like the written word relay yeah. properly to your customer. So, uh, I mean, that's, you know, copywriting just, it's such a new thing and it's just the experts are actually people who have just very little experience. They just try so many things because you can try so many things uh, quickly. The cycle is so quick. You can see what works, what doesn't, and then kind of move on from there. But yeah, I mean, we're getting into to yeah. a whole bunch of different things, but HR is, is the bane yeah. of my existence as well, like in terms of like finding good people and finding people who fit the different roles and so forth. But would you say in your partnership um, with Julian, you know, you guys are both very creative. I do, I do, yeah. you know, Julian's like, uber creative, like meaning like he's very artistic, whereas I yeah. feel like you have a, a, a business sense and more of um kind of like, you know, I guess Julian's sure. just very eclectic and you're more um, structured, well, perhaps. structured with your thought. <laughs> and I guess it's the engineering yeah. side, right? You know, yeah, it is. Uh, and you have kind of just, you sound just more organized in your thoughts. And Julian's very, obviously he's a brilliant business person and a brilliant copywriter, but I guess you guys complement each other well, just because you do have, you know, I could see that it's yeah. like the yin and yang kind of thing uh, going on. So what do you do mainly? Like, do you, do you feel like you, you're both contributing now to copy or are you kind of separating things? Um, like you do more of the business side, the hiring, and he does other things. How does that usually work? So it's like, um, Okay, so that's a, that's a good question. So I think I look at our partnership and the way we kind of divide and conquer or divvy up the work uh, amongst leading the company um, would work something along the lines like this. So we still both like write copy together. Like, and that's great because I'll bring in insights that he might not and he'll bring insights that I might not, right? So it really amplifies the copy uh, in a persuasive power. So that's, that's something we still do together. Um, I find that, you know, there's certain things that, he Julian gravitate his brain gravitates to uh, like mids mid stuff right with you and and Paola um, like that's something that he he's got more experience than I have and he yeah. just gravitates to it. Um, whereas I I might do more like the actual operations of of you know the production line of a new offer or fulfillment right or uh, uh, helping with tech and or hiring people so. Yeah, like, but he's, it's it's funny because he still influences a lot of those areas. What, I, what I'll do is I'll go out and I'll kind of pave the way. So for example, like for hiring a writer, I'll build like a kind of an interview funnel because you got, you know, with, with hiring, you've got to like look at a lot of different candidates to have context, right? And yeah. I'll build that funnel and I'll just pop, like get it done. And then the results, Julian and I, I'll bring Julian, hey, Julian, let's evaluate the copy of this these writers and he'll give his he'll weigh in right and then even when it comes to interviewing uh we'll both interview and so i might have a different perspective i might see things that julian might not not see i think julian is probably more optimistic on when it comes to people than i am and i, I take i usually take the more pessimistic route so we yeah. balance each other out in that sense um yeah i think 
in terms of like deadlines and structuring things, it's probably I'm the one that's doing more of that. And then Julian's coming in and just say, Hey, Andrew, what do we got to do? He's kind of, he kind of defaults to me on, on, on those sort of things on, on prioritization. So prioritization mm -hmm. is actually, I'd have to say prioritization is probably the thing that I kind of do. Whereas Julian is, and Julian's really good at like biz dev, like he'll bring in new opportunities He's always talking to the clubhouses. Um, he's, you know, a superstar. Well, probably the best in the world at biz dev, in my opinion, which is yeah. great because I don't, you know, I don't have that skill. It's great to have that he has it. So we complement each other in that sense, but he'll bring him in and then I'll help prioritize. Like, hey, we can't do all these things. We got to, you know. <laughs> bring it back to earth. <laughs> yeah, bring it back to earth, but he'll bring him in. So it's, uh, yeah, it's, it, it, that's kind of. Does that kind of answer your question? I don't know if I. Yeah, I mean, it sounds it sounds like just what I what it sounds like to me is that you guys pretty much own different pieces, but oversee yeah. each other's. So you do, let's say, ninety percent, and he'll jump in and take that last ten yeah. percent and kind of bring it over. So, uh, I mean, that's that's pretty interesting, and I and I love you know obviously hearing. I, I love really understanding the how people work together. It's it's an area of interest of mine because I'm always like. I, I'm a, you know, I'm, I'm alone and I'm always like, mm, I've always kind of toyed with the idea of getting somebody I'm, I guess I'm not, I'm not super creative. I'm not like the most uh, out there in terms of creativity and I'm not a great writer or anything like that. I'm for me, I'm, I'm very methodical. I studied it. So it's very yeah. just kind of procedure. I am very good at procedures and stuff like that. So uh, I, I thank you for, for humoring me and answering these questions. <laughs> I'm always curious no, about it, partnerships. I like the questions so. because a lot of times they make me think and realize things I might've not realized before. But I think another, another thing I'd like to mention is that um, having a partner like Julian, maybe it's not all part, it's, it, we've created some sort of like internal masterminds. So a lot of people will say, we'll go to these masterminds and like, you know, pay whatever, 30,000, hundred thousand bucks. And then they'll get like these ideas and they're, they're speaking with a lot of high, high level people. Right. But yeah. it's almost like we have a map, those types of map. And I've been some of those. So, so I, I would, I would know how to compare. And I, but like partner, partner with Julian, it's almost like we have that level, if not even better, because we're both like, have skin in the game in the same business. Um, yeah. We have that mastermind daily. So we're able to stress wow. test our ideas. <laughs> we're able to um, question each other, challenge each other on our, on our assumptions. Because, you know, I think the biggest, biggest business mistakes are made are, 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 are paved with like bad assumptions, right? Yeah. So we'll go, oftentimes our conversations will be very philosophical, like just talking about like, well, why do we believe this or you know i'll challenge him if he thinks oh we should hire this person well why do you think that blah 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 so we'll we'll be able to simulate a lot of um how do we say and even you can see with our copy too we'll be able to work in a way that simulates the copy so we don't have to like test it we in yeah. traffic we can like take it away like no i think you're 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 questioning uh you're you're really exposing the assumptions here and you know we both agree that this is a valid path to go for does that make sense like it's kind of like yeah no mastermind. for sure it's 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 and and you know if you don't have that as a business owner uh you know then getting a copy coach or getting feedback is basically we come back to the same thing you you always in this industry you can't you can't even if you have offers that are doing you know eight nine figures a month uh, a year or a month or whatever the case is like you just you have to make sure that you get feedback. You have to make sure that you you, yeah. you keep ahead of the game. And that's what you guys are doing. And I, I want you guys to start a clubhouse chat when you do the, those talks and I'll just be like the fly on the wall, just oh, listening really? into that, that would be, that would be really fun. Like the Andrew and Julian kind of mastermind uh, show for, for like an hour and let people think, listen into your, your process. It would be super interesting. Yeah. To make it really, so we could do it with, with copy, but we could do it with like business things. Like to make it really interesting, I think it needs to be like a very, like a very real problem, you know, in the business, yeah. like whether we should fire or hire someone like, you know, that, that would be interesting. Oh. Like in go, go through the process. I mean, I don't know what the legal implications are, but I mean, that would be super. Don't say their name. Stuff. And I think you'll be good. Don't say their name, but Yeah. Yeah. Well, so. I mean, I'm going to switch track now. Uh, I'm curious. I, I'm, I'm curious a lot of, a, a lot about your, your offers and the stuff that you do. And I'm actually just curious this about, you know, why you entered the Christian niche specifically, what was it that attracted you to that? And like, what's different about the Christian niche, um, in general? Mm, that's a good question. So 
I think I just kind of, I didn't, nothing really attracted me to it. I think really, I just kind of fell into it because uh, I wrote that offer, The Shepherd's Diet, which, which uh, you know, wasn't the, the idea wasn't mine, you know, hey, and it, you know, probably wasn't even the offer owners because, you know, Christian diet offers have been around. I think the Maker's Diet will buy, uh, was it Jordan Rubin back in the, was in the 90s? I know there probably was one back in the 80s. So it's been around for a while. There's nothing unique about it. Um, you know, the way that I executed on it was unique. Um, and that's what made it ultimately made it, uh, you know, successful. So, um, yeah, I just kind of fell into it by doing that offer. And, you know, I grew up in a Christian home, like in Tulsa, Oklahoma. So, like, it's like right smack in the Bible Belt. So I grew up, like, going to church, you know, three times a week, Sunday morning, Sunday nights, Wednesday nights. So like I spent a lot of time around pastors and like, you know, heard, you know, thousands of sermons over the course of my, you know, early life. Uh, so I think that put me like I understood I understand the psychology. Like, like I, my parent, you know, my because a lot of time the, the demographic is is my family, my parents, especially. Okay. Um, so anytime and especially this, they're kind of like my secret weapon. Anytime I have a challenge, I'm like, I'm gonna go talk to mom and dad and see what, you know, see what <laughs> they have awesome. to say. And I'll just, it's just like a shortcut. It's like like a game genie for for copy and, and like different beliefs. So, um, you know that that probably has helped me perform. And then just be having the success of doing that. Said, well, why not? Like, and I've done other offers and other niches that aren't Christian that have done you know decently well. Um, but it's just I think that uh, that's that's why we've done it. I think that answers that part of the question. Now, what's different about that market, right? Yeah. Like, that's the part you want to know as well, right? Yeah. Like what's, cause I mean, I, I have been seeing, uh, and again, maybe it's because I'm talking to Julian and sometimes when you like, like when I wanted to buy a white car, I just kept seeing white cars everywhere. So it's kind of the same thing. I'm like, is it because I'm noticing it more or is it just becoming a trend now that I'm seeing a lot more like offers geared towards Christians? So there's a couple of ways to look at it. I think it's just, um, there's a, there's a good, really good book copy slash marketing book by Eugene Schwartz called Breakthrough Advertising. I'm sure you've heard of it. Mm -hmm. um, and there's a part of the book where he talks about like the different stages of awareness in a market, right? I, I, I don't know if I remember all the stages, but I think the final stage is, gosh, I know if any copywriters are going to be watching this, they're going to call me out <laughs> if I get it wrong. But um, I think it's identification. Like they identify with the person who is, uh, selling a product, right? Because you have like, okay, so like the first stage is just like promise, making a promise. Like, hey, uh, an example of that would be, you know, lose 25 pounds. And so yeah. when, when that type of marketing message gets perpetuated in the market, the market savvies up and goes, well, I've heard that before. Like lose 25 pounds, everyone says that, right? Yeah. So it might be like, then in the next level, there might be like micro levels in between these stages, right? Like lose 25.7 pounds or whatever, lose a hundred pounds. Like, and then it becomes like unbelievable. If it's unbelievable, people won't buy it, right? So, so if you've gone to the limits of believability on that first stage, which I can't remember what it is, but it's something to do with pro making promises, then you've yeah. got to go to the next stage, which is like, okay, so how can we make this more unique? And then they say, okay, well, let's add a mechanism, something that's different, right? So it's all about the unique mechanism or the unique way in which this product solves a problem. So lose 25 pounds by eating uh, Garcinia Cambodia, whatever it's called, right? Yeah. There's a unique <laughs> mechanism. And then there's like, and then there's like maybe even more authority, like, hey, doctor reveals a uh, secret fruit for losing whatever. So there's different stages. And then I think, you know, you get the picture. So there's this, there's just this evolution of awareness and people savvy at the market savvies up and you've got to try different strategies of uh, giving your product or offer the perception of being something new, unique and revolutionary. So yeah. uh, I think the Christian thing is just a, a, a byproduct of that. It's like the identification parts, like, well, we're going to show you how to do this, but we're going to do it in a way that's biblically uh, relevant or biblically sound or whatever. Does that make sense? Like, yeah, it's just that. So that's one way of looking at it um, of why, you know, why you might see more offers like that. Um, do you think it's other, become more popular or like, or it's just, it's always been there. We just haven't noticed it as much. I think it's become more popular because it, it definitely in the, the age of digital marketing, it's a, there's a lot of like, hey, they're doing that. Let's do it too, right? Like we've been, people have tried to rip us. So, I mean, yeah. it's, it's a you know free market. Everyone can do whatever they want. But yeah. um, like, 
like uh, I think people just see it works and then, hey, let me try it. Maybe they're going to do a biblical, uh, I don't know, like a biblical golf offer. I don't know. Um, <laughs> so I think I think people see it working. They just try it and it may work. It may not. I think another thing that's di- OK, so so I do have context around like how the customers are different. Right. Because that's interesting because this is something that was actually surprising for me to hear. It's, it's not surprising after like it's. Yeah, it is surprising because, Sarah, I'll tell you what it is. So, like, on the customer service side, I was talking to an actual, uh, you know, someone we brought in to help evaluate our customer service and listen to phone calls. And so he listened to hundreds of calls, and he said, and he's seen a lot of different companies. Like, look, this market with Christians, for whatever reason, they're very nice people, right? Like, so they're very easy to deal with in terms of refunds, chargebacks, uh, whereas we had another business uh, like the ED side, and it was just like non, it wasn't Christian. So it was just very people were uh, more aggressive, hostile. Yeah. yeah, more aggressive. So, you know, maybe it's a man versus, you know, men and women thing, or maybe it is a Christian thing where he said, like, a lot of these people are salt of the earth, like, you know, people who really want to do, you know, they, they really do believe in the gold rule, doing to others as you would want them to do unto you. So yeah. I think. That has helped the economics of the business because they've been so easy to work with on the back end with refunds and chargebacks. So it helps the, you know, helps everything. It helps the bottom line. Oh. So that's something that's interesting uh, that I've, I've learned. Do you find, do, do you find, Andrew, that like the same principles apply to any niche that you would like, like the same things? Like, would you be able to say you would kill it with an offer that's geared towards, I don't know, um, Greek Orthodox or you know what I mean like I mean they're Greek Orthodox or Christian uh, I'm just like saying any, that because that's where religious? we would, yeah like any religious yeah. or any type of like just very niche um you know market like I, I can't really yeah, I, people who love golf or something I don't know whatever. yeah you know I don't know I mean I think the answer is I just don't know I mean in order to do that I have to try to do something like Greek Orthodox offer and tell you, you know, I mean, that, that may <laughs> I'll not proofread be for big. you. <laughs> yeah. What's great about the Christian market is that it's, it's so big, you know, like, I don't know what the statistics is. There was like some poll done um, that showed that like 70 something percent of Americans identify, self-identify as Christian, even if they don't go to oh, church, wow. they still have, yeah, they still have that, that, that tie, because we have a lot of yeah. our parents that kind of brought us to church and, and did yeah. the religion thing for us. So even, even if we're not super religious, I think even like yeah. I have a lot of friends around and me and stuff, everybody still has some kind of like belief that, you know, yeah. you're going to heaven and all that stuff. Yeah, it is. Even if they don't, if they're not practicing. So that's what I like about it. And the fact, and it's also ingrained in American culture, like American culture is very Protestant. Like there's yeah. a lot of Christian elements in it. And I are just, so you're, you're hitting it. It's yeah, it's, it just fits really well with the psychographic profile of most Americans. So that's what I think. So I don't know if, if, if a Greek, you know, um, Orthodox one would, would do it well with this part of the, you know, United States. And if it, it might do well in a different part of the world, but the population in the, the amount of money, the uh, you know money, uh, free cash flowing in that market might limit it, right? So it may not perform yeah. as well, right? Yeah, no, so, I'm just it's more like a general thing. Like I'm wondering, like do the same. Let's say, would you would you approach another niche uh, in the same kind of method that you approach the Christian niche, like using the same type of research that you do in the same, or yeah. would it like what you would? Okay, so it's just well, kind I, of I picking say, your target and and researching yeah. it well and kind of going through the mechanics of it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think I think, and also some sometimes through that research you might find that it's not a good mark, market to go after because there's just not enough money in it, right? Because that mm-hmm. determines, you know, yeah, like I wouldn't go after Christian like Christian dog dog market because that probably wouldn't be, you know, probably it's not relevant, you know. It might yeah. who knows it might who knows it might actually be. Um, <laughs> there's another twenty million dollar re- idea. <laughs> yeah. I think I think what's really would be really cool is a Christian. I mean, it's this is not nothing anything revolutionary. This is something that Julian and I are probably gonna. I think I can say this. Um, <laughs> Ooh, that, juicy that stuff. Might be might depending on if we can get the the guru. Depending, we might be parlaying into the Christian finance market. Okay. So, yeah. So that would be interesting. 
Um, well, that's that, that's definitely. I mean, if you have the the interesting thing, obviously about your business is you have a segment. You know, you have yeah. so it, you can create products for that segment. You can reuse that list. You can remarket and 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 you know, obviously offer them exactly. things that they're interested in. And and that's like you know, email is obviously. I feel like emails made a comeback for me. Like I email kind of went away when Facebook and, and, you know, all the social medias kind of came. And now I feel like yeah. emails like, you know, the comeback kid, cause you don't have to worry about the FTC and compliance and all this stuff. You can kind of say what you want to yeah. say and, and email. Um, so talking about that specifically, what, what, I mean, I know that, you know, you're not a traffic expert, uh, but I know, you know, a lot more about traffic than most people. So I'm just wondering like, what do you, where do you guys get most of your traffic? Or what are your best tips for getting uh, getting traffic? Yeah, well, okay. So the way I view it is my, my best tips is like find someone who's better than you, you know, but better than my, <laughs> me to do it, um, which is a lot of people, right? So I'm not good at all at traffic. So um, we did, you know, I had done like the CPA network stuff for a while in that stuff, I mean, if you're an offer owner and you're putting your offer on some sort of network, that's fine and dandy. And I think it, it, it'll work until a certain point. And then if you start scaling, it can actually be more headache than it, you know, the juice may be not worth the squeeze. Chargebacks. Right? Like, yeah. Chargebacks can spam lawsuits, right? Like yeah. there's a lot of uh, negatives that, so that's what makes, you know, cold traffic like Facebook, YouTube, Google, all that stuff way more attractive and then i think you know i could just talk from our approach is that we we just partnered with the right media buyer to come in and handle our traffic works very smart super intelligent very good marketer understands copy he's thinking about this media buyer there's a lot of media buyers they may not understand the copy and i think that's a disadvantage they you, media buyers need to understand enough to to be able to communicate and come in and just express what would be good right and that's helpful yeah. having a media buyer that understands not only just really at what he does on Facebook and YouTube, but has been able to uh, work with our creative team and, you know, getting the assets he needs. Um, okay. Yeah, that's, that's my number one tip, if you can do that. But then, you know, if you go deeper than that, well, how, like the thing for us being able to attract someone like that, um, because like, you know, not, you know, not all of them are, you know, um, as good as he is. Um, yeah got to have good offers. It always comes back down to the offer because even the offer needs to perform at a certain, convert to a certain metric. It needs to have a certain AOV and LTV to justify CPAs and pay out. So really yeah. it's, it's back down to creative. Creative is like the nucleus. Uh, so, yeah. Oh, so basically that, if yeah. you have, yeah, no, no, it's, I mean, basically you're, you're saying, you know, get, get a media buyer if you can. Um, and if you can't, you know, getting an offer to work on cold traffic seems to be the winning formula versus um, maybe working with an agency, which could be, you know, short-term short-term gains yeah. for long-term headaches. I mean, there are, I'm sure there are some great agencies. I, I've been in this space for, for 12 years, um, you know, working with different direct response marketers and, um, you know, the agency thing was really, really big in 2009, 2010. And just a lot of people got burned, you know, bad traffic, uh, chargebacks, yeah. uh, they got match listed. It's just, it's, it's, a, you know, it's the money starts getting a little bit too easy and then people get used to it. And, you know, if you're not managing it properly, even if you have a media agency, you got to like really be on top of them. Like who's sending you this? Cause at the end of the day, you know, 10 years is not that long, but in 10 years, 10 years ago, you, it was the wild west. You can just kind of do anything, say anything, make any claims and, and whatever. And it was fine. Now, if, if you have affiliates that are saying things that they're not supposed to, well, you're responsible because you're letting them say it. So, uh, you know, you got to be more responsible than that. And, and you got to make sure that you got either an in-house person or you, you have, you know, really, you know, close hand into what's going on with your traffic. So um, as a business owner, yeah, you know, that that's the important thing for you is that, you know, where to find the talent. We're going back to HR. <laughs> HR is the most important yeah. thing. So Andrew, I don't want to take too much more of your time. I'm just curious. Um, one last question for you is where, you, you know, what kind of trends are you seeing in the next five, 10 years in direct response? Where are we going in the industry? We went from, you know, single page offers, just saying, Hey, you know, take this to now, you know, having these very intelligently crafted sales letters and VSLs and so forth. So what's, what's next? Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, they're, I, you know, I don't have a crystal ball, obviously. Um, 
That's an interesting question. I've got two two sides to it. First part is like, well, what what will change? Will there be any tactics change? I don't think I don't foresee anything changing on on like you know the fundamentals. I think the fundamentals will hold true. Like an offer, having a solid offer that's engaging, that sells a good product is always going to be a winning strategy, right? Now yeah. the medium might change. Like there might be a different traffic platform. Maybe TikTok comes up on the rise and the way you kind of, uh, how do you say, the incision point into that medium, right? Like it may be a different type of squeeze page, right? So yeah. I think that those things might change. And it's like, I think it's impossible to predict, how, at least for me, maybe someone like on the, you know, like the media, our media buyer, you know, media buyer would be able to, to say, hey, I see these trends, you know, these types of pages working that can get to these types of offers. So they can probably, you know, give way in more than I can, but I see that, Fundamentals will still hold true, and uh, yeah, I I mean, it's just basically what you're saying is like, oh, sorry, what, what you're saying from what I hear is, you know, having a solid offer is obviously the 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 the, the beginning of it, but then the medium, like meaning maybe Facebook, you know, with all the, the changes and Facebook and Apple fighting it out now with their yeah. privacy stuff is, is going to be not the greatest place. Maybe it's going to be TikTok. Maybe it's going to be the way that you talk yeah. to your customers. Maybe it's going to be you know, I, um, and that would, yeah, just different stuff. But is there anything that you guys are doing that's, that's a little bit different on that side? I mean, I, we're just, we're always interested in testing new traffic sources where there are, you know, there's a, you know, potential. So you know, we're, we're, we're going to test TikTok. We're going to test, we're going to, you know, we're going to, we've been a little bit late to the native game. We're going to get on native. Um, there's nothing new, new platforms. I mean, I, I think that the, 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 I just hope, you know, I, I think I read somewhere that was it the FTC was, was uh, looking into Facebook, like, or there was a, was it the antitrust lawsuit or something like that filed against them? Or is it Google? I can't remember, but this is recent. And then, you know, you know, I, I may be wrong, but, you know, if, if let's say one of those big networks get broken up, th theoretically, wouldn't that create more competition, like, you know, over the long run, like, yeah. wouldn't there be room for other, and we saw this, like, with the, I guess the parlor app, was that, yeah. like, a that got shut down, like, like, those, things like that popping up, that would be kind of cool to test those traffic sources, because those are, like, super heightened, you know, uh, segments like they're like super targeted segments that with like a lot of uh passion we can call it right like uh, yeah. with certain belief like parlor in particular right like conservatives for me parlor would be a great place to put you know our type Just of put an ad offer. yeah for sure so i foresee things like that happening more often like which is a good thing right there's more competition in the types of platforms so if, if theoretically you know more competition we'd think that maybe the, the cost would go down right over the long yeah. run I'm not an economist, so I, you know, whatever, that's me just trying to. Uh, <laughs> no, no, but I mean, my, it's, yeah. it's, it, and what these platforms are doing, I think is really smart, like Clubhouse and I mean, Parler or whatever. I mean, it doesn't matter what you, you think you believe, you just kind of have to look at it on a business perspective is like, okay, well, there's a whole bunch of Christians here. There's a whole bunch of people who are, you know, into like uh, business topics or whatever. You go into that platform and you use it to the best of your ability if you're selling something that's targeted yeah. to them. But, you know, like, for example, a lot of, a lot of them at the beginning, especially are not really into monetizing. They're not monetizing, mm -hmm. you know, like I, I don't find, I mean, yeah. you're on clubhouse, right? I'm on clubhouse. Yeah. I don't find there's anything being like specifically monetized on clubhouse. Oh, there's rooms. Like if you're listening and people are selling stuff or saying stuff, that's one thing, yeah. but there's no like ads or there's nothing that's well, like a, like a pre-roll. I don't know. I haven't heard it. You're going to have to, right? I think they're eventually going to have to, to start, you know, have a strategy for generating a profit for their investors. I mean, that's how yeah. it kind of works in Silicon Valley, right? Like, yeah. So, I mean, at, at, for, at some point, I, mean, I don't think Facebook had ads on day one. I think we're still pretty early in the, the clubhouse, but I bet there's going to be some sort of ads, which would be great. Actually, that'd be, yeah. you know, audio kind of like, like the, it's like the radio 2.0. Like radio ad. Yeah, uh, exactly. Radio, yeah, radio ads in clubhouse. That'd be great. Um, and then I know that clubhouse, I think clubhouse would be, is going to, I see that one trend is that clubhouse is going to be like the new, like conference like virtual conference. I mean, yeah, you probably already know that. Like, yeah, like more marketers are going to be entering there and sharing information. It's pretty incredible. Like some of the you get some uh, really, quality. really high level people, like really, really high level people. Like I was listening to a room uh, like, uh, you know, I'm into like the crypto stuff and whatever. I was listening to a room yeah. about crypto and NFTs and it was like 
people who have like a, a tremendous amount of wealth and, and knowledge also. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's very interesting. And I mean, I, I definitely think that there's, there's room to grow on that for sure. Their strategy is let's get as many, you know, ears, I guess as possible. And then we'll monetize them when we figure out, you know, when we have uh, X amount of people or whatever. Um, last question, just a selfish last question. Do you find that TikTok is, 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 are you monetizing on TikTok or are you getting like traffic or you said you were, you were testing it or. We're going to test. We haven't tested. Oh, you're it going. Yet. Okay. Gonna, I'm yeah. curious. Uh, so I don't know. I've never even. I don't even have the app on my phones. So I don't even know how to use it. But I probably should download it. <laughs> yeah. No. I mean, I because I so, see a lot of people that are kind of intermingling um, Facebook and their TikTok. Like they're putting their TikTok on like Facebook uh, stories. And I'm always like, I wonder okay. if anybody's making money off TikTok. So I was just kind of curious because you mentioned I TikTok. Yes. I just, oh yeah. I just spoke with a high level media buyer yesterday and uh he's he I think he spent I don't know I, in the millions of oh, wow. uh, you know dollars in ads uh last year in TikTok. So I think TikTok wow. is a viable Oh, okay. So because I mean I get the imp- I get the impression that's yeah there's a lot of people on TikTok but are these people buyers? You know what I mean? Like I, my nieces and my teenage Yes, and, and my according, nephews are small according are to my on source, that. According to my source, an uh, older demographic is entering TikTok. So, oh, wow. Okay. I, I don't that's, remember that's... the details. He, 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 we talked about this yesterday. He's something about the, the content being it, it being content driven. I don't know. Because I, I can't really, I feel like I'm kind of a moron talking about TikTok because I've never used it. But yeah, something, you know, something about being content driven, helping drive higher quality engagement. Um, and then for some reason, older demographics are showing up on the platform. So, yeah, he's, he thinks hmm. offers like ours, biblical CBD, will convert. On, wow. Uh, well, TikTok. we're gonna have to. Google I'm gonna TV. have to have you. Yeah, I'm gonna have to have you and Julian on the show next time, and we're gonna talk about that because I'm actually fine. really, I'm really curious. So let's let's plan that because I'm I'm curious on 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 all these things, like to see what what's actually working for you guys. So thank you so much, Andrew. This was really a yeah. very interesting conversation. Yeah, thank you. Um, I'm happy that yeah. uh, I had you on my show, and we saw the other part of the Julian and Andrew uh, show. We we because Julian Julian spoke about you, but we didn't know you, so we were like, okay, well, we gotta get. Andrew on the show and, 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 and show the other side. So thanks again for your yeah. time. Any, any final thoughts or anything uh, you want to tell our audience? No, it's no, it's just been great to be here. I love the great conversation. Uh, well, I do want to say that working, I, I haven't worked directly in the projects you have been helping us with out with, but I know you've helped us. Thank you. I want to personally say thank you. You've helped us get reserves that we didn't even know we could get. I mean, into the tune of like, I think over almost half a million bucks. Um, yeah. So that's, Great. So if anyone's not working with Maria and they, they should be. So I just want to put a plug in for you. Maria. Oh, thank you. Thank you, Andrew. I, yeah. That was not coached guys. So not, not <laughs> I'm happy. I, you know, it was, it was, it was a fun little project. And in the end, I didn't yeah. realize how much we were able to gain for you guys. So it was like super fun to, to just see the money rolling in. I was like, Oh, that's awesome. So thanks again, yeah. Andrew. And it. for the plug <laughs> that, that was, I'm, I'm sure you did. I was yeah. like, I would like that money in my bank account. So yeah, it's great. <laughs> <laughs> have yourself a great day, Andrew. Andrew, and thanks again for your time. Thank you. All right. Take it easy. Hope you found today's session valuable. If you have any questions for me or just want to connect, please feel free to visit my website, mariasparagis.com. That's M-A-R-I-A-S-P-A-R-A-G-I-S.com. I'd love to hear what you're working on. So drop me a line on any hot button issues your business is experiencing. And remember, don't worry about failure. You only have to be right once. 